0: So welcome to another edition of our Honours Series for the City Business Festival. And this week, we're focusing on how to support small and medium-scale industries. Now, I'm speaking to a a woman who's really not a stranger to Ghanaian audiences, a renowned Ghanaian sculptor making strides in arts and crafts with global recognition, product of KNUST, of course. I'm sure the tech people are happy about this. And we're speaking to her because she's in the middle of a very important thing. So she founded the Design and Technology Institute, officially launched in September 2019, to write a platform for students from various universities, technical and vocational institutes, to gain industry experience by working closely with them on the factory floor. Now, as part of this, there is a training that has been introduced called Precision Quality Training that promises to shape T-BET education in a way that is unprecedented. So I'm happy to say good morning to Constance Sonica to join us on the City Business Festival. Hello, Constance. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Bernard.
0: Well, I think we need to ask you first what you've been up to because I know you're not in Ghana. So mm-hmm. what has our favorite designer and our favorite sculptor and artist been up to in the past few weeks?
1: Wow um, so what does my typical day look like? Um, very intense um, we have grown so quickly I think in the last three years um, just looking at the agency with the you know with the work of that we do um, trying to support the job creation agenda um, the industrialization agenda and just you know sitting on the fence of the private sector to ensure that, You know, private sector is driving some of these um, initiatives, and then working closely with the public sector um, to drive this. And I think this is very crucial that sometimes, as citizens, you know, not to be, um, you know, what did the president say, not to be a a citizen spectator, you know, but to be a citizen. And I think this is very crucial that when we talk about national development, it takes the consensus of everybody. You know, so this is what. I personally see as a, as a citizen of the country that, you know, how do we take part in initiatives that really affect us?
0: Mm. So you were you are trained, obviously, in your field. You studied at tech. You've gotten to the top of your profession. Where did the idea to establish the Design and Technology Institute come from? And why are you doing that?
1: Um, so Bernard you know I've been in the metal and fabrication sector for the last 22 years um, and this also this journey in, into manufacturing really began when I found myself um, in the University of Kwame Nkrumah Science and Technology and studying a degree in art. Um, I happened also to have a in a carpentry workshop and I saw a big gap between what I was being taught in academia and, you know, in the world of work and what industry was really demanding, the sort of skills that that industry was demanding. And I saw such a a skills mismatch. And this really, really festered when I started my company at Centena 22 years ago and I had to hire talent, you know, workers who would work in the factory. And this was a, a small metal fabrication company. You know, we happened to have, broken in into, the, into the space very quickly at a time where contractors were demanding high-quality work and were also demanding, you know, fine sense of craftsmanship. But all the workers that were coming through my factory had gone through the traditional apprenticeship system. They had picked up the skill sets from generations from their grandparents And there was such a disconnect because I was a very difficult madame who was demanding really high standards and, you know, telling them that, look, everything has to be precise. You know, our clients demand quality and they just didn't get it. And so we had to do a lot of training, retraining. Um, They do have the basic understanding of the skills, but what was missing was this issue of quality and precision and standards and all those things that we're dealing with consumers and our clients happen to be the top 10 percent you know who have disposable income and can afford to equally by verifying things from overseas but this was what was missing you know that need to do things excellently and having a, a mindset of excellence and so I realized that for me it was a mindset issue you know having to then explain to them that listen yeah you know you can't do it it's okay but don't tell me that uh one leg is wobbling and we're producing 20 chairs so 15 will be rejected but, ah, but madam, it's okay we can take it like that and i'm like it's not okay especially when you start to scale up and this is where standardization comes in so this is where the need for precision manufacturing and doing things precisely lends itself to scale.
2: Mm.
1: Because this is where machines would come in and, you know, tools. But the thing is, they have to be taught how to use these tools at basic level, you know, using your calipers, using your T-squares, all those things that would just help you do things properly to precision. And so that's when I realized that, oh my goodness, we can start this movement when artisans begin to see that once you accept that this is not the standard, don't tell me it's okay. The mindset that, oh, that has been done for generations, but you can't take it like that. And I'm like, no, industry doesn't accept anything anyhow. And this is where I, I saw the real stumbling blocks to what would on earth job creation. We're churning out all these graduates who would enter the job market, but there's a missing standard, a missing match. Contractors are working on top international projects and they're bringing in foreign labor because they understand standards. And, and for us, what was missing was this issue of standards, an issue of a precision quality mindset. And and so that led to the establishment of the DTI because I realized that how do I use my learning in industry to set up what we call a production school, you know, because somehow mm. the factory that law had become a school, you know, somehow, and we had a lot of university graduates and, and mm. students that were coming in to pick up, you know, industry experience wasn't enough, but I thought that this has to be scaled mm. up. And right. so 2019, um, the DCI design and technology Institute was best um, to really looking to solving this real pressing need that the country uh, needed in terms of you know, looking at how we shape education.
0: I, I wanted to get some more insight into, you do metal fabrication. So was the area of skill you saw just in that area or general craftsmanship? That's question one. And question two, for art, we have this sense that art has to do with more the way you feel about it It, i mean precision has to do with things like manufacturing and engineering in my head as an untrained person why is precision training important for even people in the creative space as well not just in the hardcore engineering manufacturing side
1: um bernard you say i think this is what a lot of people don't get that having a precision quality mindset cuts across all goods and services Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's just not limited to just one thing everything around us would start with a, a mindset of of quality and precision and excellence if you look at the Asian economies especially the Japanese the Germans the Chinese there's this level of discipline to do things to you know there's nothing like perfection but what there is is a standard of excellence and this is where once we start you know, having this mindset of doing things properly and doing it once—it um, starts also from when you know young people start going to school. So in Japanese, in Japan, they have this culture of a um uh, culture where a three-year-old, you know, is sweeping the classroom. They're doing all these things. You know, it starts very early. So this is where in nurturing the next generation of people who do things properly how do we even start going to the root cause of, you know, a whole new generation of, of people and thinkers and doers who do things cutting across all these different sectors in a different way. That's why, you know, we don't have any, you know, customer services. You know, I mean, you go in everywhere you go. There's no standards. There's nothing. And and I think for me, what is most profound now that um, we have the African Continental Future Aid Areas, you know, signed, If we're going to be trading across each other, you know, across borders, there should be this level of, okay, what would be the definer? What would be an African standard? And what would we all then adopt as? Okay, this then meets a certain standard. Um, Yeah, so, you know, in Europe like this, anything that you would buy would have this CE. So, you know, it's past this European standard, you know that's why we have the ISO International Standards Organization, you know, all these things. And I think what makes it even more exciting, you know, um, our own um, heads of the Ghana Standards Board is also coming. The incoming president of the African um, Standardization Authority. Um, so there's definitely, a, a, you know, an underground movement going on, not just in the private sector and and all the players crying out that there's a need for standards. And I think what makes it even more exciting um, that just recently the, the uh, draft framework for the national quality um, policy has also gone through cabinet. So definitely, I think there's something happening in the ecosystem. I think customers and consumers will be thrilled to know that, oh, so there are conversations around standards now you know if i'm buying something and i demand a certain standard it's my right consumer rights mm. if i go mm. to a hospital mm. and i expect that the nurse is speaking to me in a certain way because i do know my customer rights you know consumer rights and all those things mm. And mm. how then do you if i've paid for something and you don't give me what i want i can also hold you responsible you know so mm. those those defining things that would then govern how we do things how we produce things because if i'm an artisan and i know that i can earn x amount more money if i produce things that can equally compete at a global level then you find that the ecosystem and what we'll call uh, a systems change would then affect you know all parts of the, of the society but it starts mm. with the mindset yeah
0: well this is still the city business festival and uh, we're having a discussion about precision quality and this really is an advocacy the design and technology institute is championing and we'll be right back after this break to talk more about how they managed to get pq precision quality into the national quality policy which was developed by the Ministry of trade and the ghana standards authority and what this actually means for our artisans our university graduates and people who work as young people in Tibet, we'll be right back.
2: entire month of June is dedicated to business on City TV and 97.3 City FM. This June, the City Business Festival will give entrepreneurs, SMEs and individuals the needed insights and knowledge to advance their businesses throughout the month. As the world adjusts to life after the pandemic, the City Business Festival will give SMEs the opportunity to reboot their businesses with expert forums, discussion platforms and interactive Zoom sessions all month long. Get ready for for the various panel discussions and business forums live on City TV, as we discuss key business topics and strategies that will address the challenges that confront the business community with exciting themes each week in June. And as well, every weekday in June, tune in to the City Breakfast Show on 97.3 City FM for the City Business Festival On Air series and gain the knowledge you need to kickstart, grow, improve, strengthen, and expand your business. It will be a month filled with knowledge, expert conversations, panel discussions, exciting events and on-air conversations with the City Business Festival. This June, only on City TV, 97.3 City FM and CNR Digital. The City Business Festival 2022 is proudly sponsored by APSA and supported by MTN Momo, MTN Business, GIPC and IT Consortium.
0: Welcome back to the City Business Festival. This is an on-air series. And uh, this Friday, we're focusing, indeed, for the next three Fridays, we'll be bringing you a discussion around precision quality, which is really one of the ways in which we can help our youth in their employability and productivity. It seems to me like a soft skill. From the way she's speaking, it cuts across all industries. And Constance Wanica is our guest um, celebrated sculptor artist who's now the founder of the Design Technology Institute, and she's championed precision quality not only to become something we like, but it's something that's part of our national quality policy developed by the Ministry. So, uh, Constance, I remember a recent event where this issue came up. I didn't know that the discussion was going to end up with a policy with a specific section, section six which covers precision quality. How did we get here? Just give me some insight. I, I thought it was just a discussion to conscientize people. But you've managed to get this into the national quality policy in, in a very short time.
1: Um, I, I think, uh, Bernard, you know, I, I strongly believe in, in timing. And um, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, this was not a conversation that people were having. You see, um, globalization forces you to rethink your own policies, honestly. And I think that what really was such a rude awakening f- um, for a lot of African, you know, economies that China had become the factory of the world. And I think this was something that the whole world realized that, oh, my goodness, you know, all these destruction to supply chain, Um, Then all of a sudden we realized that, oh, we can do things, we can manufacture things, you know. Um, And so at the time we were having these conversations, we had approached uh, the NDPC, the National Development Planning Commission, and we met the director general and we said, hey, you know, we desperately need to, you know, rethink the way we do things. We understand you are the agency that drafts policies. And he looked at us and he said, well, it's not private sector's business to be drafting policies. This is our job. However, you know, where have you been? Desperate need for us to to look at, you know, these issues. So you must speak to Ghana Standard's board. Um, we understand that they're working on a policy framework, um, quality. And, um you also must collaborate with the Ghana standards, uh, sorry, um, with the CTVEC, Commission for Technical and Vocational Education, that also regulates um, education and standards. Um, so, therefore, there was a need to collaborate with public sector using these three agencies. And, and when we approached them, you know, nobody had heard of the word precision and quality put together. And I said, well, this is two words that we had coined and we had defined it. That this is what we're saying—that it's a mindset, you know, shift that we're calling a precision quality mindset, because um, understanding precision, you know, the term precision, and then putting it together um, with quality, then would be the game changer. And so I guess it just was all about timing. Um, conversations were happening, and this is where I say that if we sit on the bench as private sector and we don't get close to the public sector, you know, there's we've got into the stage where we need to co-create things, co-design things. Um, and I must say, I was very pleased with how they all jumped on board and we all worked together as a team. You know, we put together a technical team and there was all these consultants that we were working with. And um, I must say that, this didn't happen alone at the dti because our partnership with the mastercard foundation was what we were looking at how do they help us co-create and, and fund this uh policy um that we were working on and so with funding from the foundation we're able to really support um these public agencies to be able to pay for the consultancy work that we brought on board and it was something that we all did together And that was the beauty of working collectively as as Ghanaians, you know, shaping our own uh, destiny and saying that this should be an African mindset. You know, what would work necessarily in Asian economies would not work on the African continent. So what do we define as our own African uh, standard, which when we're trading globally, it's also met some global standard that, you know, we can then trade amongst ourselves. And would not be seen as the one that is always, you know, with a handout looking for handouts. But now we can now add value to our goods. We know how to trade amongst ourselves. We understand what quality would look like. And then so I'm really excited to see where this will go. The movement has just started, it's it's building momentum. Um yeah.
0: Mm, Interesting. So if somebody listening is a product of a technical vocational or university traditional um, wants to understand more about precision quality, because I'm not sure they teach precision quality in a traditional university, right? How do they get the information? Do they have to sign up for the DTI, which is the institute you founded? Is there going to be an online course? Is the government going to mainstream it into cultivate training? How can we start getting immersed into this
1: uh, good good question. Um, so you may be excited to know that you know we're also working with all the technical universities because we realize that this is where then as young people transition into work, this is where they desperately need the precision quality training. Um, and so we in the last two years have signed MOUs with the whole technical university and um, most recently the Takwade Technical University, and then we also have just signed um, an MOU with a Kumasi Technical Universities, and then we also had ten vice chancellors from all the technical universities visit DTI, have stakeholder engagements, um, and so the first two universities that I mentioned um, have started rolling out the precision quality curriculum that we embedded as part of the um, the subjects that they teach. So every young um, student in these universities are taking um, a five-week, you know, high-touch um, training position quality before they enter the world of work. So before they enter factories or they enter, you know, the world of work, they do have this mindset of, yeah, you know, industry is not a training ground. They don't have time to train you, but they do understand that to understand that when you come in, there's a certain standard that we're looking for, you know, and we really see this as a game changer. And I'm very thrilled that we've also been doing research, you know, looking at a control group and then looking at students who haven't gone through position quality. You see the employability rates really going high. And it's incredible to see just within this short period, all the inroads we've made. Now, we are also not just training um, and working with the technical universities. We're also working with master craftsmen. Because we believe in the multiplier effect that when one person is very well-trained, then they're able to then train others. So for the training that we're doing with master craftsmen and um, SMEs, if you one master craftsman is very well-trained, then in turn, he's able to also train the apprentice under them who are usually also are doing the work, you know, to be able to do things properly once. Um, this is where you also then have production losses going down. and And so the... Economies of scale is just incredible when you look at the multiplier effect of what this means as well. So how does this Mm. then shape what we call labor market information systems that looking at the root cause of what the problem is, look at the multiplier of just this, you know, enlightenment of that, wow, we do know we have a problem. But how do you then, and I think the mindset shift is the most, difficult thing when people have this fixed min- mindset and we're saying that listen what would a growth mindset look like things cannot be the, the way it is and we keep complaining but how do we you know adopt a new mindset and, and say that this is our time and you know the new African renaissance well, what would it look like
2: mm, mm.
0: I like something the, the, the law said in the policy when I go to the specific aspect under precision quality. Permit me to read. It says, precision quality highlights the value of precision industries and quality products and services in job creation. It places focus on precision in industry services and processes to ensure that goods, services, and products are of world-class quality. To guide the attainment of precision quality for MSMEs, standards and education materials should be developed Government shall ensure that precision quality is embedded in all industries, especially MSMEs. Now, Constance, I'm excited because this week our focus has been on MSMEs. We've been talking about how they can recover from COVID. So we've been discussing various things they need, leadership, finance, technology, and all this. At no point did we think about precision quality until I I spoke to you. So it seems as if this could actually be the missing link for our small companies.
1: It is the missing link. And this is, has been my own experience working, you know, with artisans in the last 25, 26 years because I worked so closely with them. And they were the same artisans that I was able to do top, top, top projects, you know, top projects where most of the time I was working with only foreign labor you know, you're working with Italians and, you know, Moroccans and you're working with all sorts. And it broke my heart when each time they would tell me, well, your people don't have standards. And I'm, and I'm thinking, what do you mean they don't have standards? If you were to come and train our people alongside you, then we would also understand what this issue about standards. And that's when I realized that, ah, you know, what, what the local content bill really look like, you know, this would be the missing link that when artisans really begin to understand that when you are laying tiles, make sure that everything is, you know, aligned when you're, you're, you know, measuring things, you can't miss it by 0.5. 0.5 is not okay because by the time you scale up, can you imagine what that looks like? And that's when I realized that, mm. Oh, it's just a mindset. It's just a mindset shift. It really mm. is the game changer. And, and I think this is where you can't place, how do you touch soft skills? How do you begin to touch, you know, it's this thing that you don't feel, see, but it's just this new awakening that, wow. So, so when you see the artisans that we use, people look at the work and like, oh, was this made in Ghana? And then I'm thinking, yes, this is made in Ghana. It's possible there mm. can be so many accents and ads all over the country you know mm. um then mm. in turn they can hire more people they can pay taxes they can you know it's just a ripple effect of of what this could look like and not could what it will look like
0: mm. wow uh, just before we end I- i'm just interested in how your own training shaped you to become an uh, such a great artist i'm looking at some of your works right um, even the way you name your, your 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 design so i'm seeing something you did called problematic solutions <laughs> and then i see something you do called walk a mile in my shoes yeah. and then something you did called pretty wings i mean you were trained at KNUST. it's a normal ghanian university okay mm-hmm. and th- what you did was not extraordinary but you're producing work that's been spoken about all over the world. So how, what did you come, was it just the tech education? Was it family? How did you get this world-class streak? Because you grew up as an ordinary Ghanaian. <laughs> so where did all of this come from?
1: Um, ben, you know, I moved um, to the Gambia with my family when I was five. And I, um, we grew up all over, all over Africa. Um, and so I, Southern Africa, you know, because of their colonial past, really had a lot of um, international exposure. And we went to schools where, because of my father's job in the judiciary, allowed us to go to the top, top private schools. Um, and, and I think this is where the education gets it you know, right, that when young people are exposed to, to find things very early on, and, and this is not an acquired taste, but if they see excellence everywhere around them very early, it does really shape, you know, um, your outlook in life. And I think that um, coming back, um, <laughs> the family is still resident all over the world. Um, in fact, we grew up in, the last day was in Botswana, where my mom has still been in the last 40 years. Um, I came back to Ghana with a, a global perspective already. And so I saw that, wow, I think it really shaped my outlook. Um, another thing also is that I also happen to have a little bit of OCD. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think it really perfect and precise. And, and that's a thing that women naturally have, this attention to detail. And, and wow. so I think that was what gave me this edge for my male counterparts because I also happen to work in a very male dominated space, the attention to fine details. And so in a lot of big manufacturing plants, a lot of the precision work, the very fine details on the manufacturing floor is actually done by women. And so this is where, if we also allow on our factory floors, more women, the men are usually in a hurry, you know, the women take their time, they're more precise, they're more detailed. And, and I think a combination of the OCD and the global, you know, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, how do I get these artisans, mostly men who work, you know, for me, think and be many, many, many and And that's what wow. I really think. Yeah.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you and congrats on this milestone. I'm sure there's a lot more to be done but I feel so far there's enough to celebrate. I look forward to speaking to Professor Dodu next week on the second leg of this conversation. But uh, thank you, Elizabeth Swanika, Ghanaian sculptor, making strides in the creative and construction industry, founder of the Design and Technology Institute, and champion of precision quality training, and part of those who helped formulate the policy. Thanks for talking to us on the City Business Festival. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And listeners, that's all we have time for for today. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.